The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Hold on to me as we go As we roll down this unfamiliar road Although this wave is stringing us along Just know you're not alone Cause I'm gonna make this place your home Good morning, Hamilton. This is Rob Golfie with Remax, the Golfie team. Welcome to the Hamilton Real Estate Show with Rick Zamperd and Phil Golfie. Good Saturday morning once again. It is the Hamilton Real Estate Show here on 900 CHML. Call Canada's number one Remax team right now if you're buying or selling or even thinking about a free, no obligation in home consultation to see how much your home is worth. That phone number to call is 905 575 7700. 905 575 RobGolfi.com is the website to go to. They have the hottest listings in town. That's RobGolfi.com. If you're surfing on social media this morning, head over to at RobGolfi on Twitter and Instagram. Like them on Facebook. Some great videos, awesome polls that they've conducted over the past several weeks and months. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the Hamilton Real Estate Show podcast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. If you have a question for the Golfi team, we have one coming up in a matter of minutes, uh, or a topic idea you would like us to discuss on a future program, send us an email, questions at robgolfie.com. That's questions at robgolfie.com. Lots to get to today. We'll talk about tiny condos in Toronto. Also talk about home prices jumping in Hamilton in the third quarter. They're also on the rise really across the country. But first off this morning, um, another uh, interesting week in the world of real estate here in uh, Hamilton and uh, in Burlington and Niagara. Rob, you have an interesting story about uh, a couple of dogs. Yeah, so I, I uh, end up going to a home in uh, Caledonia and uh, uh, knocking on the door and then uh, I'm invited in and I see these two Great Danes coming at me. And they're like, they're like 180, 200 pounds each. Like, like these, these, these things were horses walking around the house. Like that's, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, uh, and you know what? I mean, and I know they're mild, uh, mannered dogs. Like they're not, uh, in, in general, like usually big dogs like that, but you just don't know, right? Like you, you're just afraid to look at them in the eye. Cause I mean, they get, you know, you know, you know how you stare at a dog, look at a dog at his eyes and he may just all of a sudden turn on you. But anyway, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was, those are the biggest dogs I ever encountered, especially two of them. Uh, they were, the, the names of these dogs were, uh, Memphis and Georgia. One of them was blind and the other one, uh, and the other one, uh, acts like he can't hear, <laughs> so, but, but his hearing, his hearing is good. And, uh, they were rescue dogs. Uh, I guess, uh, a truck driver owned them and, uh, he couldn't, uh, take care of them cause he was on the road a lot. And I think the, I think the dogs were from, uh, from, uh, I guess somewhere in Memphis, Georgia, I guess. Wow. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, like th- some of the things you encounter is, uh, is, is incredible. The great mild mannered dogs. I, I, I try to get a picture. They were, they were kind of afraid after, uh, taking a picture with me, uh, uh, because I never, I never been beside two big dogs like that. Uh, like, like, you know, and I, and I, and I asked the, the owners, I go, do you guys like, 
Uh, when you take them for a walk, uh, is the other one following with a wheelbarrow? Or... <laughs> so, so, like these are these are like these are like they're they're, they're overwhelmingly big. Yeah, like they're yeah. they're legitimately small horses. Yeah, like they're they're massive. And like even when they sit down, when they're sitting, they come up to you like you're you're you know they're they're taller than than your waist. Like it, they come up to you almost your elbow. They have their own couch. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's, like and they, and, and these these dogs will fight for the couch space. Wow. <laughs> you know, like it's uh, like they're they're uh, yeah big dogs. It was fun to see them. Very nice dogs. I I, I started rubbing. Uh, the dogs behind the ears, and they just, you know, I was their best friend after that. <laughs> so. Those were those were the friendlier encounters with dogs. I mean, you know, have you had one that's been a, a vicious one? Oh, there's another dog. I, it was a little, a little small little dog, and and uh, the, the name of this dog was it was on uh, Chipp- Chippewa Road uh, in uh, Glanbrook, and this little thing, man, I picked it up and I was rubbing its ears behind and, it, you know, and this dog's starting to open up its mouth. It's like enjoying this little moment I'm giving him. And, uh, the owners were really, uh, happy to see that, uh, that this dog, you know, and, and they were surprised that, uh, uh, this dog would allow me to pick him up. But, uh, but it, it's, uh, yeah, you encounter some uh, really fun stuff and, uh, and fun animals, but yeah, this little dog, I think the name was Miss Missy. Uh, Misty, I think, or Miss, uh, hmm. something like that. But uh, yeah, she was uh, she was a good little dog. She had a little dress on, walking around the house. So <laughs> it was good. Have you had it any? Have you had any uh, tense or intense uh, dealings with animals when you're looking at I, homes? I I did years ago when I first got into the business. I'll never forget. It was in the West End of Hamilton, um, and I go in the backyard, and uh, there was a pit bull, like mad as crazy hmm. and I'm back there and I'm like and I was scared even though it was behind a fenced area but this fenced area was not like it didn't look like it would speak like this dog could if he wanted to could just bull through it like it wasn't really secured type fence like and I I you know what I never feared so much in my life like I, I went back there and this thing was just mad and and I'm going I'm getting out of here because this thing if it gets out of this fence I'm in trouble. This thing is going to lock onto one of my limbs <laughs> and I'm going to end up having losing a, a, either an arm or a leg yeah. uh, with the way this thing, the, the, how mad this thing was. And it was in the backyard in it. And I just like, you know, I, I think the owner of this house should have, you know, done something and moved this dog to another location because it, it really scared me. Like I, I, I thought this thing, if, if this thing can jump over this fence or go through it and it could, if it wanted to, if it knew that it, it, it could, um, it, uh, it, it's going to attack somebody. And, uh, so yeah, you, you gotta be careful. I mean, I, I, I don't know, uh, are pit bulls, uh, are they banned now or not? I, I, I don't know. I think, I think they're coming back. I think there's a huge, a huge push for them to be, to be legal again. Um, it's the owners, it's the owners that make them mad. I yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, uh, I know I, I, I see it on Facebook. I see it online. There's, there's always a huge debate when it comes to, to that specific breed of dog. And I think they were, you know, you know, no matter what type of dog you have, you're going to get some that are a little aggressive more than others. And to, to kind of highlight and, and blanket the entire breed of the pit bull, you know, wasn't, wasn't fair to them or, or, or their owners. So I know there's a, there's a huge, huge push for them to be, to be, um, I guess, legalized um, and, and for them to be allowed back into, into the province. But, but yeah, I mean, we, we, we see a ton of dogs. I feel like every other house or, you know, there's, there's, it's crazy how many dog owners there are 
and in, in taking it back and bringing it back to real estate, how many people need to accom- accommodate their dog to a specific type of house when they're moving? And, and, you know, it's like, okay, I have kids, but, oh, you know, my dog needs this. And it's people that are, are, are looking for a property specific to their, to their dog. And that's how they're buying their properties today. So it's, it's, uh, it's so funny. Well, well, people are putting, uh, dog, dog uh, showers in their laundry room. Yeah. That's, you know, the higher end, the high, the high, high end luxury, you know, you'll walk in and that's, that's another luxury item that you'll walk in and inside the mud room or, or the laundry room, you got this, you know, beautiful kind of stand up half the size of a stand up shower dog bath. And it's like, you know, what, what else, you know, it's, it's a nice little feature luxury item that you see in, in these high, high end homes. But yeah, it's, it's, I haven't had, I, I remember when I was in, in high school, no, I was in, I was in my first, first or second year of university. I worked for this company called weed man. And Rick, are you familiar with it? Have you seen the green truck? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I worked for this company and great university job. You, you just basically work all summer. You got, you know, the, the, the pay was good. Um, you know, everything was good about, about it. You're given a lot of responsibility, uh, as, as a young student, um, which was good. So you, you were able to learn on your feet and, and develop some good experience, but there would often be these notes for each and every property that you showed up to. For example, you know, the one would say, make sure you knock on the door and let the homeowner know your home. You know, if there's a pet in the backyard, you know, it, it would, it would, it would let you know or enter through which gate there's every, every specific property came with a specific instruction. So oftentimes, you know, sometimes these instructions would be overlooked and, and you're kind of trying to, you know, move quickly, move, move through your day and, and get through each property. So this one property, I think it was up in Guelph. I walk into the backyard and there's a German shepherd, probably 70, 80, 80 pound German shepherd. And I'm, and I'm standing there and this thing just froze and looked at me. And it was like, if you take another step, <laughs> I am going to come after you. And I literally, I literally reversed stepped out, like reverse stepped out as slowly as I could and wedded to, you know, shut the gate. And then that's when I went and knocked on the, on the front door. But it's, uh, it was a scary moment when, when you lock eyes with, with that animal and you, you do not know, it could have been the friendliest thing in the world, but the look it gave me, it was like, you know, you, you just have no idea what's going through their head. And, and it's just, you know, I'm not, I'm not ready for this encounterman. I need to get out of here right now you're and in the uh, backyard you're yeah, in my house yeah, this is so, my house this is my rule so but i haven't had anything in, in terms of my my real estate career and coming in contact with with uh with any animals i always find you know the interesting stuff like we'll walk into houses and somebody will have you know this this snake or this dragon or lizard or what have you it's it's incredible some of the 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 animals that people have and some of the exotic species that people are, are holding. And I, what I mean by exotic, obviously the legal ones, no, nothing, nothing illegal, nothing that, you know, somebody's bringing in illegally, but it's, uh, it's, it's always fascinating to see, you know, these big giant aquariums with, it's like an entire ecosystem. And, and I'm like, Hey, listen, like, they got piranhas. Yeah, it's <laughs> wild. So. You, you want to feed, you want to feed the fish and you put your hand near the water. And it's just going to jump and bite wow. your fingers off. Oh yeah. We got about a minute here some... that you, you mentioned the dog bath. Uh, w- would that uh, land on the listing? Yeah, 100%. It would, it would land on the listing. It would be, in, uh, it would be a feature that we would, we would market. It would be um, something that, that is, is a part of, you know, the home. So it's, um, you know, a lot of people once it's not something that you think about, but once you see it, your, 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 your attention's immediately drawn to it. And, uh, 
and we see it more and more common. I think it's going to become a, a larger consumer piece in, in, in the more affordable homes. But right now, we, we mostly see it in the high-end and, and luxury market. Um, and and it's, it's, a, it's a neat little, uh, neat little uh, feature. Very interesting. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, foreclosure and what happens when that comes about. You're listening to the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Our house in the middle of our street. Welcome back. You're listening to the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin in studio here at 875 Main Street West, just down the road at 1 Mark Linda's Rob Golfi and Philip Golfi. Sales representatives with Remax's Scartman Realty, the Golfi team. You can find them online at 900 CHML, online at robgolfi.com. Uh, you can call them at 905 575 7700. And they're all over social media Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. The handle is at Rob Golfi. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to the Hamilton Real Estate Show podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast. Past episodes online at robgolfi.com and 900chml.com. If you have a question for the Golfi team, questions at robgolfi.com is the email address. That's questions at robgolfi.com. Still to come, we'll talk about the aggregate price of a home in Hamilton jumping in the third quarter of this year. We'll talk about some tiny condos that are some uh, big losers in Toronto. But we have a question uh, coming in to the Golfi team, and it is as follows. I recently came across an advertisement for a property for sale due to foreclosure. How does a foreclosure sale differ from a traditional purchase? Yeah, it, it, it's a huge difference. Um, one of the one of the biggest things, and, and there's you know the misperception of of foreclosures, and and one of the big misperceptions out there is, you know, foreclosures are are going to be a deal. I'm I'm going to be able to buy a foreclosure, and it's going to be you know it's going to be significantly less than what it would get on the open market. So from from a, from a real estate side, in terms of what we go through and how we, um, you know, how we direct this foreclosure sale is is the bank will come to us and say, hey, we have this property that we need to sell. Okay. From there, they'll ask for a market evaluation and a market report. Uh, we'll, 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 it, it's basically an appraisal. We'll, we'll provide them comparables. We'll provide them our opinion based on what that property would be worth and what we would list that list that in today's market. That bank then comes back to us and says, "Thanks for your information, but here's what we're going to do." Okay, they give us a framework as to how that property is going to be listed when it comes to price, conditions, clauses, pictures. Everything, everything that goes with the listing in that property, they direct us every single step of the way. So, for example, from my experience, I had a, I had a foreclosure sale that was in Fort Erie. The bank held offers and did not look at offers for 21 days. And, and after those 21 days, we had to attach a number of different schedules, such as the, the property will be sold in as-is condition and and, you know, we don't represent or, war- or warrant the current condition of the property and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of strings that are attached to those foreclosure sales that people aren't aware of when they go into a real estate office and say, hey, listen, I want your next foreclosure deal or I want I want I'm, I'm only interested in foreclosure properties. So that that that's a huge mis, mis, you know, misperception. Oftentimes is 
these foreclosure sales, you know, get market value. They get true market value for the condition and style and state of the properties. And, and oftentimes they get it, they go into multiple offers because they're priced competitively because the bank doesn't want to hold them or carry them or, or things of that nature. So the, 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 you know, the bank that the foreclosure sales, they're, they're far and few between. We haven't seen them in a while. Um, there was a lot of influence in the, uh, 2008, nine, uh, with the recession there, especially with the subprime mortgages in the U S. So, so we, we are influenced a lot from there. You know, there, they, the banks had tons of foreclosures. They were obviously wanting to get rid of them. And, uh, yeah, there were good deals. There were good deals. Uh, we haven't had that market since the early nineties. Uh, so we're looking at over 30 years uh, of power sales and stuff like that. So, so there is an influence from the U S you know, with the U S TV and, and radio and, and, and media, but in Canada, there's, you know, rare, rarely any foreclosures. I, I, I can't speak for Alberta. I know they went through a, a recession. I, I don't know if there was a lot of foreclosures there or not, but the banks have to legally have to try to get the most amount of money. So a lot of times banks will get an appraisal done. Sometimes they get two appraisals and then they get you as an agent to give them comparables and see how close you are to that. And then they come up with a price and say, okay, here's what we're going to start at. And they always start at a higher price. The reason um, that uh, they have to start at a higher price is because the person that they took the home from the person that they foreclosed on, they don't want them to come back and say, Hey, you sold my house too cheap. And there could have been some equity there that he could have got back. And uh, so you, they don't want them to say, come back and say, you sold my house too cheap. I could have got more money. I am suing you because of that. So the banks have to make sure they get the most amount of money. So a lot of times they do list at a high price and then you have to, and then you have to work the price down over a course of two or three months so that they can prove if, if the previous owner, the owner that was foreclosed on goes to court, the banks can prove, say, hey, we did try that price. It didn't work out. We reduced it. It didn't work out. And then we reduced it a third time. And then we ended up getting an offer. So the banks have uh, uh, an obligation and legally they have to try to get the most amount of money. Otherwise, they're going to be in court with the previous owner and uh, and they don't want that. So so foreclosures. Yeah, some some of them. Are, if there's a, a thousand foreclosures then you're going to see banks that they don't want to see that on their, on their desk. So they'll, they'll end up moving. And that's what happened in the U S in 2008 nine. Got a lot of questions here. Cause this is a, a really interesting topic. Um, Phil, you mentioned that these are really rare. Is one a year, uh, the, the, the standard that we're seeing, or are we seeing fewer than that? Uh, it's probably more. Yeah. It's, it's, it's more than that. Um, but, but you, you don't, you rarely see it though. It, yeah. We, yeah. For, for, for our team that does, does many, many transactions, very, very rarely do we, do we come across them? Um, private mortgage and, and from private mortgage, a lot, that that's what it is. Is a lot of them will be, will be from private mortgages. And in that case, you wouldn't even know what, what, what happened behind the scenes with the financing, hmm. with the financial processes as to why that person is, is being foreclosed on or power of sales or, or what have you. But very, very rarely will we see, you know, when, when we have access to the information and we go down and see who the sellers are drafting an agreement of purchase and sale, and we're putting the seller's names on it. Very rarely will we see it, you know, a, a CIBC or a, a bank of Nova Scotia or, a, you know, a BMO or anything like that. It, 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 it It's, very, very rare. I, I, I think, you know, given our market, um, you know, and, and how fast our, our real estate prices are appreciating and, 
and given you know we we have a strong economy even even so when we're when we're in the middle of the pandemic our economy is still strong that that you know we're able to support these these home prices and home sales and for somebody to if somebody was in a position where they were about to be foreclosed on or power of sale the the market is so strong right now that they they would be able to sell their home very quickly at a at a at a reasonable price um you know the the buyers are there the the you know the the market's fast moving and 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 you know it, it's like anybody in today's market it's it's there's there's buyers out there is a foreclosure the same as an auction or is that a, a completely different process you know an an auction is is different um it just depends on who is selling the house so sometimes um let's say in a state they say hey let's uh let's see if we can you know auction off the house and have bidders and stuff like that um it could work for you or against you it depends how many people are going to be at the auction um and and if they're using uh, a realtor or not uh, but I, I personally, I wouldn't, uh, do an auction. I, if I was going to hold, I would do something like hold offers, uh, for maybe four or five days and, you know, under price it under the market value and hopefully somebody will pay more than market value. But, uh, I don't, um, uh, you know, yeah, auctions, uh, I don't see too much. I know in the U S there, yeah. I hear a lot about it. Uh, again, that's a, a, a different, uh, country that's you know has different systems and different ways of doing business but uh i've seen i've heard a few auctions in canada but not many you're listening to the hamilton real estate show on 900 chml rick samprin with rob golfie and philip golfie sales representatives with remax's scartman realty the golfie team you can find them online at robgolfie.com call them at 905-575-7700 and they're on twitter instagram facebook search them out at Rob Golfie. We're talking about uh, foreclosures after a question came in uh, stating, I recently came across an advertisement for a property for sale due to foreclosure. How does a foreclosure sale differ from a traditional purchase? Another question I had is, uh, an individual had this house, uh, they lost it, obviously the bank has it, now the foreclosure process is underway. Can that individual who originally owned the home uh, bid on the home or, or get the home again? They can. They have a right to, uh, I guess, redeem uh, even to the last minute. But they, ha- but the way to redeem is they have to be, they have to bring their uh, mortgage completely up to date, and uh, and they can uh, and they can stop uh, the sale. Now, the the one thing you got to be very very careful uh, buying a foreclosure is that um, when the banks sell it, you there's like a, an eight to ten page Schedule B on there, like when you take possession, if there's something wrong with the house, you can't go back to them. If somebody went and broke all the windows the night before you close that deal. And the next day you go there and you go to your lawyer and say, Hey, listen, all the windows are broken. The banks are going to say too bad. You sign saying, no matter what the condition the house is in, you're buying it. And, and you can't get out of that contract. So you've got to be very, very careful. Uh, there, there have been some uh, homeowners that lost their house and sabotaged the house so uh, that when the next buyer comes in, he, um, he will end up uh, inheriting whatever sabotage that this uh, homeowner uh, put in there because he's upset that he lost the house. Huh. Now, the banks don't know what he's done to the house. They don't know if he's done any mess up with the plumbing, the electrical, or, or any mechanical things in the house. So when you... I mean, hopefully you can get a, uh, uh, what do you call it, a home inspection. But sometimes home inspection, inspections, they don't 
get everything. They, there could be a hidden thing that you don't know about, the home inspector doesn't know about. All of a sudden, you move in and, and you've got problems. So be very, very careful on a foreclosure because you can move in and all of a sudden you go, whoa, we've got a $10,000 problem here and I don't have the $10,000 to fix up. So you've got to be very, very careful with foreclosures. And, um, you know, it just depends. Most people aren't, you know, when they're losing their house, they're not, you know, vigilant in in any way of of trying to, you know, mess up the next person. They know they couldn't pay their mortgage and, and, and they just want to go on with their life and continue. But, but it just depends on uh, depends on uh, who lived there and, and uh, how you know if they're a mean person or not. So, <laughs> so you just got to be very very careful though yeah. when you buy a, a foreclosure. Philip, you mentioned in the example that you gave that you know the bank will set you know a, a 21 days as kind of the time frame to get this done. A is that standard, and B does that give everyone enough time to go through the house and do what they got to do? Yeah, I mean, in in a traditional market, if somebody were to hold offers. You know, every, every agent does it differently, but, but usually people, you know, hold offers but in somewhere any, anywhere between four and six days. Um, and, and in today's tr- traditional market, the bank would say, you know, we, we would not be looking at an offer for 21 days. So I would say this would, would be very non-traditional. I think for people who, who are interested in the property and, and, and want to put in an offer on the property on the first day, 21 days is a long time to wait. I mean, there's a lot of other properties that are, are being bought and sold in those 21 days. And, 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 and if you're in the active market, you know, like in real estate, it's so funny, the timelines and the, and the processes and the dates, it's, it's, you know, the, the four or five days in real estate is a long time when it comes to a conditional period. Now, when you're holding offers and, and you know, 21 days, it's like, you know, people have to wait. So by the time that person, that offer presentation comes, that person might've, you know, found another property or, or, you know, they're, they're, they become uninterested in that, that specific property. So it's, um, but it's, it, it's part of the bank process. Um, and people that are in the industry and, and realtors that are in the, in the industry, they understand these types of processes. So everybody's able to advise their client accordingly. Um, there's a set of rules that, that would be set out on the specific listing to be able to explain the processes and the rules of the specific deal and transaction. So I think it's just being, you know, number one, it's being organized. And number two, it's having a clear communication to every specific buyer and every specific realtor who would be interested in that property. But with that being said, the, 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 the power of sales for, for both purchasing and, and listing agent are a lot of work. Um, there's a lot of detail that goes into them in, in understanding the, the terms and specific conditions um, you know, that are set out to that specific transaction. And oftentimes it's, it's, you know, we seek advice from, from our lawyers to, to be able to ensure that we're, we're advising our clients correctly based on, you know, whether it's a specific clause or a specific detail that needs to be explained, um, in more clear terms. So there, there, there is a lot, um, in, in when it comes to power of sales, but with that being said, like, like I said before, it, it's something that we do not come across. Um, on a daily basis. It's not something that we, we have, you know, where somebody comes to us and says, Hey, I'm only interested in, in bank deals, or I'm only interested in, in power of sales. It's not we, like we have a plethora of, of opportunities for people that are out there, but, but dating, you know, going back to one of the, the things I said, it's, it's, there's, there's a big misperception around them. Um, but I think, I think there uh, people are understanding them a little bit more and more. We got to run here. So I need a, a yes or no answer here. Does the, when you purchase the home from the bank that is uh, handling the foreclosure, do you have to get a mortgage with that bank? 
<laughs> no. Okay. No, Good. you don't. <laughs> Good. So they don't hold. They don't hold all the power then. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. No. Definitely not. I'm sure. I'm sure they would like to. Yeah. You know, banks. Mortgage. Mortgages are a big part of a bank's book of business, but. Uh, you, you, there's, there would be nothing in the, in the agreement where you have to get the mortgage from them. Good to know. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, home prices in the third quarter in Hamilton still spiking. The Hamilton Real Estate Show continues on 900 CHML. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Welcome back. This is the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. My name's Rick Samprin. In studio on the line from One Markland is Rob Golfi and Philip Golfi, sales representatives with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfi team. You can hop online to see the hottest listings in Hamilton, Burlington, Niagara, robgolfi.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. Call Canada's number one Remax team, 905-575-7700. That's 905-575-7700. If you're on social media this morning, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook is the place to be. The handle, at Rob Golfi. And if you have a question or a topic idea for the golfy team questions at robgolfie.com the email address questions at robgolfie.com still to come we'll talk about tiny condos in toronto uh, the prices of which are going in the wrong direction that's for sure but here in hamilton a 13 percent jump in the aggregate price of homes in the third quarter 13.7 percent to be exact for a total of six hundred thirty five thousand one hundred seventy three dollars a standard two-story home up 16% year-over-year year to just over 674000 Bungalows going up 8.5% year-over-year to 575 k And condos also rising 1.5% to $377,000. No surprise here. Prices have gone up pretty much since, what do you want to say, May? Yeah, the, the the year like the third quarter has been uh, a strong uh, a strong quarter, and, I, and like I said before, uh, our spring market happened this summer, and now we're actually entering the fall market, and I think we are going back to normal levels, uh, Rick. So I, I printed off uh, the sales just for Hamilton um, in the uh, uh, on, on our board. So this year, from October first to the fifteenth, uh, we had three hundred sixty six sales. Now. There was a two hundred and forty-seven million seven hundred thousand uh, in uh, in volume of business. This is this year, the first fifteen days of October. Now, last year we had three hundred and seventy. So it so it looks like we're going back to the normal market that we were before. So we had a, a crazy uh, third quarter, our fourth quarter, but it's hard to tell. We're only halfway through the uh, the, the month so far, but our fourth quarter starting out looks like it's. It's, it's starting out to be the same as, as last year. So last year, we did 370 transactions. This year, we did 366. So, it, and, and last year, um, we did 203, 700,000 in volume. And this year, we're, we're up in volume and less in transactions by, uh, by four. Hmm. So 
I mean, our volume is up and our transactions are down. So, and obviously uh, the volume is up because the average sale price is, is up quite a bit. Last year in October, uh, average sale price was 550600 This year it's 676895 So, um, our volume's up, and uh, I think we're going into a back to a little bit of a normal market, but we'll uh, we'll find out at the end of uh, end of October how that uh, rolls out, uh, uh, Rick. And last year, uh, sorry, last month in the first fifteen days, we did four hundred ninety one transactions, which was really strong. Hmm. So, so it's uh, so the markets uh, it's market markets cooling off a bit. So. It's, uh, so things are changing. Nationally, the aggregate price of a home in Canada increased 8.6% year-over-year in the third quarter to just shy of $693,000 as high demand and low inventory continued uh, to fuel a seller's market. One individual uh, in the real estate game says uh, inventory is low and multiple offers are common, but we are beginning to see the seasonal winter slowdown, which you kind of alluded to. The next three months are expected to be more brisk than the fourth quarter of 2019. So even the first 15 days of this month are just a, you know a, a hair below what uh, you guys experienced last year. The uh, I guess the common kind of theme or, or thinking is that uh, things will be a little bit better than last year, which is saying a lot because you know what what we've gone through this year, <laughs> you know real estate wise, it has been uh, like gangbusters for you guys. I want to switch oh, gears. Yeah. I want to switch gears just before we uh, head into the break um, and talk about tiny condos. Tiny condos now the biggest losers in Toronto, which is saying a lot because they were the hottest thing basically on the planet. So this is a uh, a study from research firm Urban Nation, which says that sales of condos sized 500 square feet and under, which are again, tiny condos, were down 20% year over year in September, while sales for units of other size ranges were either flat or still positive. These micro units are also the only condos on the market to have experienced a price decline thus far. And uh, one individual with Urban Nation, actually the president of Urban Nation, says it's become clear that COVID-19 has caused two shifts in demand, a desire for more space and more value-oriented homes outside the core, both of which negatively impact the market for small condos. So we're going to dive a little bit deeper into this in our final segment coming up here on the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Let's go around here on the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin, Rob Golfie, Philip Golfie, sales representatives with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfie team. Find them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. The handle is at Rob Golfie. Call them anytime at 905-575-7700. That's 905-575-7700. Whether you're selling your first home or your fifth or your tenth or you're buying any of those digits, uh, go online to robgolfie.com for the hottest listings in town. That's Rob G. Just before the break, we were talking about tiny condos in Toronto really taking a 
battering in terms of prices. And it's basically, well, basically what COVID-19 has certainly been a huge reason. They're smaller. People aren't working uh, at their workplace. Um, they're working from home. They now want more more space to move around. They don't have to be in the downtown near, you know, arenas and restaurants and theaters because, you know, there's restrictions in place, especially in Toronto, around those uh, areas. This really is no surprise. I guess the, the big surprise is that it's a 20% drop year over year, September to September, in terms of uh, prices for these tiny condos. And a lot of these people are coming to Hamilton because they're looking at the price of a condo in Toronto and saying, wow, I can get a whole house with a backyard, a lot of space for the same kind of price. Oh, absolutely. People that have, especially investors that bought these condos, especially the ones that are going up right now, um, they're, they're, they're going to have a hard time selling them if they're looking at flipping them. And other, and same thing with even uh, developers, if, uh, as you know, they may end up changing their plan uh, on their on their permits when they when they uh, uh, provided because they may not sell as many as they as they anticipated. So, uh, like this COVID has changed the world. No matter what business you're in, uh, especially real estate and how people live now. So definitely, uh, people uh, want more space because if they're going to be confided confined in in a, in a small area. They, they definitely want to be, uh, they want to have more, more, more room to, to, to live. I guess the question is, you know, was this a long time coming? And, and it's just a result of the current times we're in has kind of sped up that process? Or is this just as a, 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 a you know, a, a knee-jerk reaction to our current, you know, living situation? I think, I think you know, as soon as we, we get out of the pandemic, we'll, you know, will be will people be comfortable in, in those tiny spaces and look for a more afford, a more affordable way to live downtown in a tiny condo because they're never home and you know it's just a crash pad they're always out. Um, I, I I see it you know maybe maybe changing back as soon as we get out of the pandemic um, because I think I think people want to be close to the action for an affordable price and that's you know that's why they develop them they develop them in a way that you know would be less square footage. Uh, be able to put more rooms or units in a specific building and, and give somebody in a, you know, a, let's, let's call it, you know, and, you know, let's call it an affordable way to live downtown Toronto. So I think, um, I think it's, I think it's a knee jerk reaction and, and, and it's a headline that's going to grab a lot of attention. And I think it represents our current marketplace right now, but I think in, you know, in, in, in a year to come, I think those are going to be the condos that are, are going to be sought after again. I think those condos are the most liquid when it comes to real estate investing. I think you can always find a renter for, for that type of condo. I think you can always find a buyer for that type of condo. Um, and I think that, that those will be the condos that, that people have, have learned and have been very successful in investing in. Um, so, so for anybody who owns, uh, you know, a smaller condo, which we, we would, you know, describe smaller as, you know, something less than 500 square feet, um, would, 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 this is a time period to, to kind of hold, you know, buy and hold and, and, and wait it out because I think that that market's going to come back. And, and when it comes back, it's, it's going to be the same market as it was before robust with high demand and, and many people, uh, whether it's buyers or renters, that's exactly what they're looking for. But and in, in this current situation, I mean, it's easy to say, yeah, people are, aren't, aren't interested in, in them anymore. And, and that's the reality of the situation. But I think, um, I think those will be, will be in high demand and, and if not the near future, but, but um, years to come. 
at the end of the day, if you are going to be living and or working in Toronto, it's still the most affordable option for you, even though the size obviously isn't ideal. If you do want a little more space, the price tag is certainly right on the spot. Uh, Before we go, I have to mention that in September, new listings for micro units in TO were up 165% year over year. And uh, obviously pre-COVID, these were the hottest things on the market. And now uh, they can't get rid of them. So that's uh, that's a really uh, big eye-opener. Guys, uh, fantastic show once again. Again, if you are buying a home in Hamilton, Burlington, Niagara, you're selling yours, call Rob Golfie today at 905-575-7700, online at robgolfie.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I. and start packing. Thanks for listening to the Hamilton Real Estate Show. We are back next Saturday at 9 on 900 CHML. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.